Good morning, church. My name is Oscar Stenberg, and I have the amazing privilege to be able to share the Word of God with you today. Um, And just before we have our first transition here on the slide, a song called Grace, um, I would just like to share with you how grateful we are as a Christian school to be a part of this facility. I want you to know that this last Friday, right here, there were a hundred junior high and high school students. They heard the word of God, and it was just wonderful being able to work with them and deal with them in chapel. It's just amazing, and how churches have come together and how our community has come together. I just wanna, I wanna thank the body here at um, Shepherd of the Valley for all that you've done in the past and all that you're continuing to do. Continue to pray. We have more kids than we've ever had, 97 new students this year. And there's reasons why it's going on, but I just want you to know. I've been asked to be the chaplain, um, and some of you may know that Don Hoffman, our board chair, passed away. Don had Lou Gehrig's disease. And uh, he noticed it when it was in his lungs and not his legs. So he passed away fairly quickly, but he's with Jesus. And um, the new board chair at this point is Dan Boyden. And uh, we're excited about the direction that the school is going. So continue just uh, to pray for kids that, uh, kids that need to figure out where the compass is in their life, and that true north, and uh, what an honor it is to work together uh, with Shepherd of the Valley and Horizon Christian. Let's pray together. Father God, creator of the heavens and the earth, we're here today. Obviously, Lord, you know every hair on my head, and it's changed colors in the last few years, but Father, you're changing all of us. Help us change in such a way that we bring honor and praise to you. We appreciate this day, a day that you've made, and I pray that that's what is communicated, what already has been sung and shared, will continue to praise you. We ask that you'd be with Don Griffin and the children's ministry at this point, that you would just bless the socks off of them as they work with those young lives. Thank you for life, Father. Thank you for giving your life through your Son for each one of us. We ask your blessing now and just help us mature and be challenged by your grace in your name. We say amen. We have a song that's going to come up. I'd really like to have you watch it carefully and just see some things. We're going to talk about that. Our passage today is Titus 2, 11 through 14 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21.
Where'd the canvas come from? The garbage heap. Back there, everything's worthless, stupid, dumb. God goes gets a canvas over here. And she starts painting with what kind of a brush? A little bitty brush. A little bitty brush. And then a what? A little bigger brush. And a little bigger brush. And then what do you love about it? The bucket. Ronnie read that passage in Titus where we're saved not by 
righteousness, our righteous deeds, were saved because of the outpouring love of God. Paul was writing to Titus to get some things squared up in the leadership of that island of Crete. And he shares this amazing, amazing truth with us. It's his grace. People look at it today and say, that's scandalous. We look at it as Tommy was preaching through the book of Galatians a few months back. He mentioned that the greatest miracle on this planet today, excuse me, is transformation. Allowing the God of the universe to transform our lives and change our lives. And that's what it's all about. If you would put up the next slide, Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14, if you have your Bibles and you want to open that up and look at it, this is an introduction to the message, okay? It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 14, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. God's grace has appeared. God reveals himself to mankind in three ways. He reveals himself through the Bible, the Word of God. He reveals himself through the person of Jesus Christ. And he reveals himself through creation. I don't know about you, but when you go up Highway 35 and you get to where you kind of go up, there, there's a mill on your left, you kind of go up the hill and you're going down, there's a geodesic church there. You guys know what I'm talking about in 35. And then what just kind of stands out? Mount Hood. God reveals himself through creation. It says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20 that since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, eternal power, and divine nature have clearly, clearly been seen so that man is without an excuse. So God, his grace has revealed his love to each one of us. We are without an excuse. We have the privilege today to look at the book, the manual on how to live. If you ever buy something new, what, you, what comes along with it? A manual. My wife reads the manual and does a great job. I just try to work with it without reading it. <laughs> She's way ahead of me, I guarantee you. Way ahead of me, and I appreciate that. But God's given us a great manual on how to operate. Notice what it says here. It teaches us to say what? No to ungodliness and worldly passions and to say yes, that's what it's saying there, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. But then while this is going on, look at 13. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our glory, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, I can tell you with 100% accuracy Jesus did not come yesterday. Isn't that the truth? But is he coming? He is, and he promised that. Just as he ascended into heaven 40 days after his resurrection, first question out of the disciples' mouth, 
when are you going to bring the kingdom in? When's it going to happen, Jesus? And Jesus is on his way up into the sky. Acts chapter 1, 13, right in there, two angels appear. What are you guys doing? Looking up into the sky. He's going to return in like manner. So the apostle Paul writes to Titus on the island of Crete, fix your eyes on this. Keep your eyes. Jesus is coming back. Now verse 14. Notice what Jesus is doing today. During the pandemic, during life, look at what it says. Jesus gave himself. For whom? For us. What is he doing? He's redeeming us from all wickedness, and he's purifying for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Now, if you start in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, and go all the way to Revelation, you will find one theme that's repeated over and over and over again. It's redemption. God is redeeming. And it's a process. It's not a one and done. He's redeeming you and me right now. If we've trusted Christ, he's in the process of redeeming us. He's in that process. But he's not only redeeming us. Look at the other verb. He's redeeming us from all wickedness, and he's what? Purifying. Purifying for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do that which is good. God's in the process of changing us for a reason, because he's purifying, changing us for his very own. Eager, and the word is actually means zealous, to do what is good. Let's hit the next slide. Here's a puzzle. The word is reconciliation. To reconcile. Next slide there. We've got 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Remember what it said in verse 14 of Titus. Eager to do what is good. The Apostle Paul says here, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, where new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself who through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he was, is committed to the message of reconciliation. For we are therefore God's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, or we beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In those four verses, 17 through 21, there is five words that are in bold print. 
God is making a point to the church at Corinth that they need to be what? Reconciled. Hit the next slide real quick there. You all know what reconciliation is. If you spend $50 or $100 or $200, you better have $200 in the what? In the bank so that your finances are what? Reconciled. Reconciled. Next slide. You've seen this before, haven't you? Have you ever said something that you shouldn't have said and you hurt someone's feelings? Am I the only person here? Okay. We shake hands. We reconcile. During the pandemic, I had the privilege of meeting with all... nine of my kids. I said, hey, this is Dad. I'm 71. On a scale of 1 to 10, how am I doing as a dad? Some of my kids said, what are you doing, Dad? What are you doing this for? I just want to check up. How am I doing? Oh, you're a 9.5, you know? Won't go any further than that unless you jump out of an airplane with me. We know who that one is. And then some of my kids said, Dad, it's a negative 3, negative 4. You weren't there when I needed you, Dad. I said, well, can we reconcile? Will you forgive me? Reconciliation has to do with people, human beings. We reconcile. That's why he implores us to be reconciled. Could you pop back to the passage there, uh, 2 Corinthians? Yeah, thank you so much. These guys back here and the people that perform up here, if I had a hat, I'd go my hat is off to you guys. Amazing job. I came in yesterday and spent some time with Christian on this because we've got a couple things we want to share with you at the end. Just the issue of trying to understand an application to trust. If God is saying in his word to be reconciled, does he want us reconciled? Maybe. On a scale, no, he wants us to absolutely be reconciled. And if we are reconciled, then what ministry is, has he given us? The ministry of reconciliation. Okay? He actually calls you and me, according to this passage, ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador, people? The President of the United States appoints ambassadors to other countries, and they represent our country in those foreign countries. They have authority from our country. We have authority by God. He calls us his ambassadors. And what is it that we need to communicate? We're not counting and keeping each other's sins. That's not what he is saying. He's saying, look at 21. God, the Father, made him the Son, God the Son, sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All of our sin debt, people, has been taken care of. Past, present, and future because of what Jesus did. Jesus is the second Adam. 
Adam and Eve in Genesis blew it. They're the first Adam. Jesus said what on the cross? It is finished. It's done. I have died for, and it's over with. Praise the Lord. What Jesus said, they took him down from the cross, put him in a tomb. Three days later, he did what? He rose from the dead. Death has no power, people. And if we put our faith and trust in Christ, our sins are wiped out. Wiped out. Past, present, and future. And it's his grace that transforms us. And as God's grace changes us, people might ask you, man, you're not swearing like you used to. And you seem to be at peace. What's going on? And you can tell them that Jesus has been changing you from the inside out. A few years ago, a friend of mine, we worked in Awanas together. He said, Mr. Stenberg, my dad is dying of cancer. Will you come and talk with him? And so I said, sure, you bet. So I, I, we went over to his house, white salmon, and I'm, I'm serious. The door opens and four-letter words come out like machine guns at me. I don't need any blankety-blank minister in here. Get the blankety-blank out of here. And, and, and I was, whoa. I looked at Steve and I said, I mean, Steve's a big guy, real big guy. And his dad was like 290, and he was down to about 125 pounds. His cancer was just ripping through his body. And I just stood there. Steve kind of looks at me. I'm sorry, Oscar. I'm sorry. And he goes, Dad, Oscar's here just to talk to you about Jesus. I don't need him. I mean, it was just crazy. And so I just said, sir, your son's asked me, can I give, just give me a minute or two. And I said, see this pen here? If, if salvation is found in this pen, who has salvation? He says, you do. I said, well, that's what Jesus, in Jesus, if this is Jesus then, what must you do? He says, I must reach out and take it. I said, would you like to do that? Not on your life. Get out of here, you, you know. And I'm serious. I went backpedaling right out. I almost tripped over Steve because he was going out the door faster than me. So I don't know about you, some of you may have disciplines like I've learned as a young Christian to spend time praying in the morning and doing my Bible and Bible reading and stuff. And I looked at my desk and here was that yellow pen. So I thought, hmm, should I? Okay. So I wrote him a note. And I said, you know, by putting your faith and trust in Jesus, you have eternal life just like receiving that pen, you remember that. So I, I got the address from Steve and got a stamp on it. I put the pen inside the envelope, sent it off. A couple weeks later, Steve says, hey, my dad wants to see you. I go, oh, Steve, are you ready for this? So maybe put some things in your ears, you know, and stuff. I have bad hearing anyway, but um, I said, okay, sure, I'll go with you. Door opens. Not a single swear word. But this. So I 
walked over to him. He goes, why, why have I waited so long? Why? I said, it's so cruel that you trusted Jesus. A week later, he passed. And so they asked me to do the funeral service um, at the cemetery as they're going up Snowden. There, you guys know that hill there? Cemetery on the left. And I didn't know that Steve's dad was a biker. You know, those really big bikes with handlebars way up here, you know. And there were six of them that came to the service, and you could hear them cross the green bridge across the Columbia. They were that loud. I mean, they just rocked. And they come into that little cemetery, and they're huge. I mean, they're like guys this tall. They got big muscles and stuff, and I'm going, oh, okay, I've, I've got to share this. I've got to tell these guys what happened, and those guys were Christians. We have a tendency to stereotype, don't we? Do you guys do that at all? That must be a person that goes to church that doesn't go to, <laughs> I was stereotyping all over the place, and I had to apologize to the Lord. <sighs> but these guys afterwards came up and gave me a hug. I think my ribs have healed. It's been 20 years, but these guys just hugged me. So I heard pop, 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 pop. And they said, it is so great to hear that he embraced the good news of Jesus. He did. He did. And he said, Oscar, why did I wait so long? I said, I'm so glad you did it. I'm so glad. And he enjoyed a week of living. His wife was, was so impressed with what God did in such a short time in his life. He was reconciled. And for a week, he had a ministry of reconciliation. If you're a, a saved person and you've trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you have a ministry of reconciliation. But this is where Titus comes in, verse 14. He's redeeming you and me. As a matter of fact, God doesn't change. We change. How many of you were parents in the 70s here? Okay. <laughs> Can I ask you a personal question? Are you a different parent today? <laughs> Everyone's nodding. I mean, we change. God doesn't. There was a time when I was a single guy. I wasn't married to my wife, Helen. There was a period of time I was single. And now I'm a husband. And now I'm a dad. Now I'm a grandpa. You, you know, the seasons of life. And... I know that some of you are thinking exactly what I'm thinking. If I only knew back then what I know now. Hindsight is 2020. Guess what? God's in the business of redeeming us. Isn't that a cool thought? And he's purifying us for his very own who are eager to do what is good. Is reconciliation something that's good? It is. For me, I took a pen. And this simple pen helped a man come to know Jesus. I can remember, some of you might, ah, oh, he lived on Franklin Street. He was in our church at First Baptist Honey, he's an engineer. Bobby Hansen, Mr. Hansen, Elmer Hansen, came down with cancer. And he had never smoked a cigarette in his life. And it was cancer due to cigarette smoke. 
and he had a massive cancer that was ripping through his body. And so I went and visited him. He goes, Oscar, I haven't told anybody about Jesus. And he's done such a wonderful work in my life. I said, Elmer, when are you going to die? <laughs> he said, I don't know. I said, Elmer, you're going into Portland, aren't you? Who's driving you in there? There's some guys from my work that are driving. Do they know Jesus? I said, Elmer, share with them what God is doing in your life, okay? As you are changing, Elmer, and he definitely changed people to see him change. Self-taught engineer, man, that guy could build anything, do anything, great guy, great guy. But he took on the Ministry of Reconciliation to help his peers, his friends, as they drove him into cancer, back treatment into Portland and back before Celilo came into the Dalles, he uh, shared with his friends the love of Jesus. Let's go down to the last couple of slides and then we'll, we'll hit our, uh, yeah. Let's go one more. So there's just some questions. Okay, question is, are you reconciled? It's either a yes or no, people. You've either said yes to Jesus and I want to grow or I, I'm not. If after the service, if there are some questions I can help you with, please, please stay and let's visit and talk about that. Next. If so, then we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. Okay? We are now Christ's what? Ambassadors. Yeah. Yabba dabba do, man. We are his ambassadors and he wants to use you and me. He wants to use you and me. It's amazing. He's, we're not counting their sins against them. We don't sit and go, oh, that's number 71. That's 72 sin. That's a number 75. Yeah. Oh. We're sharing with him that their sins are what? Their sins are gone. They're forgiven. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for who? For us. So as your life transforms and is redeemed and changes and purifies, God's going to use your life to communicate to people. And that's called reconciliation. You're going to be communicating a message. You don't have to worry about their decision. You just have to communicate. Your sins are taken care of. Next slide. So God's done it all. God has canceled out our sin. Hey, two kinds of people you're going to face. You're going to face some people that are going to say the following. I'm so bad, God can't forgive me. I am so bad, God can't forgive me. Yes, he has. He's taken care of all of your sin. Share with them 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21. There's also another person you might face too, and that is, I'm not, as, I'm, I'm not real bad, but I'm not as, as bad as so-and-so over there. I'm not in jail. You know, I don't drink that much and cuss that much. But you, you ever heard that before? Yeah, there's that kind of people. All you have to do is say, you know, we're all broken, we're all sinners. Christ died for our sins. That's called the ministry of reconciliation. Telling another friend, one beggar, telling another beggar, hey, there's food over here. There really is. God has forgiven you and I of all of our sins. His grace. That's why I like the bucket, people. A lot of us think, man, I got to paint that picture white. And God says, uh-uh, uh-uh. Let me, let me pour it. And you read Titus, you'll see in chapter 3, 
It's an outpouring of His Spirit in our lives that transforms us and changes us. Well, at our house, at the Stenberg house, to kind of put this all together as we think about our responsibility of that of trusting the Word of God, uh, at Christmas time, we have kind of a tradition, and that is we draw names. You, have you guys ever done that before? And then you buy a gift for your son or your daughter. We only have one, you know, that kind of thing. And I knew that if one of my sons drew my name, I knew exactly what I was going to get. Do any of you have kids like that? You know exactly what your son or daughter would give you? Well, my son Michael drew my name, and I said, okay, when are we going skydiving? He goes, Dad, how did you know? Michael, I know you, okay? <laughs> I know you. And so I, Michael gave me the ticket, and I said, Michael, okay, now this may take some time for you, but here's the deal. Um, I will only do it if you get it filmed. And he said, done. <laughs> what took so long? He says, Dad, I knew you were going to ask that and say that. So a couple months ago, right, honey? Was it a couple, two or three months ago? Michael says, Dad, are you ready? I said, you betcha. I was dangling my feet at 15,000 feet. We're going to show this in just a minute. I'm slightly above Mount Hood, when I slip out of this plane, Mount Hood, I'm looking down at it. And we travel about 120 miles an hour for one minute. I'm screaming so loud. <laughs> I, watch my mouth. I was so dry, I had to stick my finger in. I had a dry mouth, but I should have kept her closed. But I was just, yeah, baby, I was just screaming down. But I want you to know, I didn't have a parachute. Oh, one of those suicide guys, huh? No, my partner back here. You don't jump out of an airplane unless you ha are in a tandem relationship. You have to, I think Michael says, 10 or 12 jumps with tandem, then you can go to school and you can do your own jump, okay? Before we jump out, my partner and I and Michael's partner, uh, there are six other guys on the, are, are on the, in the plane, and they, they go out backwards, waving at you, you know, doing somersaults. I'm going, and I'm, I'm following this group. So you're going to see, what, two or three clips that we have? And I'm going to just talk in between. Let's roll the first one. That's my son, Michael, also Helen's son, too. Uh, <laughs> this is Derek in the back. And he's got a little, we are scooting towards the door. Michael's laughing his head off at me. You'll notice I'm going to be dangling my feet at 15,000 feet. Take a look at this, you guys. Out we go. <laughs> He's got a GoPro on his, in his hand. Notice it's at 10,000 feet. 
We're dropping to 9,000 feet now. And we are just boogieing, folks. We are just flying. Look at my equipment. I got straps around my shoulders, around my waist, and I step into kind of a girdle. I love you. And then my stomach that was here went up to here. Look out there, look how beautiful that is. We're at about 4,000 feet with the chute. And then he's gonna let me steer it here. I'm cleaning out my mouth, it's dry. Big handshake. This is called tandem. I don't have a parachute, he does. I think trust is an issue. We'll show another one here in just a minute. Trust is so important. And people, I'll be really honest with you. Hen Henry and also Steve, they did something real simple. They trusted God and his word and their lives were changed. For Mr. T, it was just one week before he died. And his question was, why, why did I not do this earlier? I said, I'm so glad you did it. I'm so glad you've done it. Trust is really the issue. Does, is this truly the Bible? Is this truly God's word? God's word says, yes, it is. My son, who knew no sin, took all of yours. Next slide. I'm directing it now. I'm able to pull left and I'm able to pull right. And we're gonna look up and see Michael because he went out 20 seconds after we did here. right now slightly above 2,000 feet, but beautiful picture, you guys. It is so cool to see all around you. There's golf courses galore in this area, it's just wonderful. But we're going left and right. He tells me here shortly to put my legs up because that's what we're gonna do. It's gonna be a real simple landing, and it was. We kind of went whoop, 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 kind of walked. Okay, this is a hard left here. My stomach has settled down to here now at this point. Boy, it got right up here, I tell you what. That was a little unexpected. We're slightly over a thousand feet. That's how we're gonna Get land. the legs up like that. Beautiful view, you guys, beautiful view completely trusting my equipment and trusting my tandem instructor. All of us in this room here qualify to do this. You have to be, well, except for these two right here. You have to be 18 years of age to be able to, to do it. Uh, they don't show the landing, but they do show. We want to show that one, Christian. Let's. Okay, this is the very end. Awesome. You just jumped out of a plane. Woo! Woo! Congratulations on number one. Now, uh, what'd you say? Second Timothy 1 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self discipline. Good stuff, huh? Yeah, buddy. Isn't that good? <laughs> That's the word of God. Well, congratulations. You did it. Thanks for jumping with Skydive Oregon.
Okay. It looks like uh, that guy's pretty hey, happy too. Hey, come on over, my goal. So I shared with uh, Derek, 2 Timothy 1.7. And this fits, I think, as a closing thought too, as we take a look at all that's been going on in our country and around the world, plus what is currently going on. And that is God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, uh, kind of lukewarmness. He's given us a spirit, His Holy Spirit, if we've trusted Jesus, a spirit of love a spirit of power and of soundness of mind. The Holy Spirit is in you and me that we put our trust in. The Gospel of John, the writer of John in 1 John 4 says, greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Okay? The Holy Spirit in our lives will direct us. We don't have to respond to fear but I want you to know that while I was watching the video with you, my hands began to perspire. <laughs> they really do. If I see a picture of any kind of height and stuff, I just, I get, my hands begin to perspire. So I thought for sure I was gonna slip out of my gear. I'm gonna fall without a parachute. I didn't have the parachute. I needed to trust, didn't I? I didn't even know, Derek. Some of you in this room who I know would sit down for two hours to try to figure every single detail about everything. And that's good, and that's important to have that. But we'd never jump. We'd never hit the, the right time to jump. But we have to come to a point where we're saying, okay, I'm gonna trust you. When my roommate died in college in 1972, I said, I'm done playing games. I'm trusting you, God, whatever you have. I know that Jesus died for me, and I want to embrace him. Again, my encouragement to you, the same encouragement that Paul shared in Corinthians, is be reconciled. He urges us. He begs us. I beg you too. Please don't. Why did I wait so long? Be reconciled. Accept something good. That is the ministry of reconciliation telling friends that our sins are forgiven. Let me pray and we'll have our music group come on up. Father, you are so, so good. Your love, is so good. I pray that you would help each one of us Truly, truly embrace you, Lord, and allow you to change us so that we truly are your ambassadors, truly are telling others about the life change that's going on here. Thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.